It is that time again, time for a closer, more analytical look at the week's top news stories with our powerhouse roundtable. It is a powerhouse today, so introductions come first. Patty Mazze is the Miami bureau chief for the New York Times and was previously a reporter with the Miami Herald. Mark Caputo is with Politico. He also once covered politics for the Miami Herald. <laughs> he is now the author of the daily Politico Florida playbook, a must read for us all. And welcome to Scott Travis, who covers Broward County Schools for the Sun Sentinel and has done outstanding work on covering the Stoneman Douglas tragedy and the aftermath and has broken some really important news in that investigation. So great to have you here with us. Good morning. We are, or good afternoon at this point. Glad to have <laughs> you here. Uh, Scott, let me ask you, since you have been intimately involved in the Stoneman Douglas story and the school board and Robert Runcie every day almost for the past year, uh, this anniversary, what is the takeaway when you look at, you know, the progress ha that has been made, if there's been any progress on school safety, how do you measure it? Well, I believe the school district's belief is there has been a lot of progress made. I believe the families of the victims believe there's been very, very little. little. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a lot slower than they would like. And I believe that a lot of people feel like they've had a very hard time getting answers from the school district. You know, Patty, you were you and I were out at the school on 214. Mm. I, I was telling Michael earlier, it was not what I expected on the anniversary out there. I it was all about love and support and very little anger and grief that we've seen the whole year. What was your impression? You know, it was a really hard day. It was good to be there to sort of witness the community come together, like yeah. you said. Um, but you know, seeing children grieve other children and their teachers and, and coaches and loved ones yeah. doesn't stop being sort of shocking to the system. Ever. No. Mark, the, um, we talked a little bit earlier, the uh, focus of everybody's investigation in BSO and the school district and now the governor, who you cover pretty intimately, taking some real accountability moves that we didn't see in the prior governor. Talk a little bit about um, what you forecast Governor DeSantis to do when it comes to Broward County School Board. I don't know whether we can forecast or not if he's going to try to remove a majority of the school board. But after Scott's story, uh, it became a lot easier for the governor to politically do that because Scott had laid out just rather mm -hmm. excellently how the school board had fought extra school money for a yeah. period of time, made promises, failed to do those promises, and some of the very things they failed to do that they had promised to do are linked, at least in part, to some of the deaths yeah. at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Now, the Florida Constitution gives you the right, as a governor, to suspend any elected public official for incompetence. For incompetence. Yeah. I don't see how the school board has been competent in anything except for lying. The school board has been excellent at not telling the truth, at dissembling, at pretending they did a great job, and these are all lies. You know, we, we need, Scott, for you to sort of explain. We I read your story, excellent story in the Sun Sentinel, about this 2013 letter that proposed, what, $55 million for school safety and security, and the school board rejected it. Right. Well, what they were proposing was a taxing district that would yeah. have uh, been for school safety. And the school board was concerned that they would not have control over the money. Yeah. Turf. A yeah. turf battle. Exactly. So, and... Superintendent Runcie said, we don't really need this because we already have a plan in place. We have a plan to get uh, school resource officers in all of our schools very soon. We have a plan to do, well, we are doing additional training for school security monitors. We are doing a lot of, we're, we're requiring schools to do additional safety 
uh, reports in addition to what they were doing. A lot of these same things, when we got the Stoneman Douglas report, found right. out that they hadn't done any of that stuff. So right. it wasn't really the hearing where they decided not to take the money because of they didn't want any more oversight. It was what came after that was really egregious because they didn't do what they were going to say. Was, it, was that sort yeah, of? Yeah, I think you could argue that uh, the argument at the time was that you don't want an extra bureaucracy, an extra taxing yeah. district. I think a lot of school districts probably would have taken that same uh, position. Yeah. But the problem is that all this money is available for you for things that you probably need, but you're claiming we don't even really need it. We have other things that are more important to us. Yeah. yeah. Petty Mazay, if I may, I've known you a long time, uh, kind of ask you a personal question. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> it's, it's not, I'm ready. It's not that hard. It, in fact, it's, it, but it's a, a sensitive issue, and that is I've been a reporter for a long time, and I've covered some absolutely terrible stories that tear you up. You have spent so much time with parents, with students, with people uh, at MSD and spoken with you know, the survivors and you wrote on Thursday a beautiful portrait of what, eight or 10 of these people. Um, and you did it without sentimentality. It was moving, it was, it was really good, but this stuff is hard, personally. Well, thank you um, for, for liking the piece. Um... Yeah, it was, I mean, it, but it's hard for us, but you can't imagine how hard it is for them. Exactly. And the fact that people were generous enough to trust us to tell those stories and ask them questions that were very personal because we wanted people to feel sort of the, what the year had been like outside of the like big picture, mm -hmm. um, much publicized marches, movements, you know, press conferences, what it was like sort of for a person to go through this one by one. Um, we were grateful that they let us do that because I think that's sort of the universal story here <coughs> for all of the victims and for anybody who has experienced loss, which is it doesn't go away and um, you're still mourning it a year later. Are you are you related to the law enforcement officer in your yeah, piece whose last name was I'm not. We just have the same last name, which in Italy yeah. is fairly common, but maybe oh. not so yeah. much in yeah. Miami. Oh. Scott, let me, I mean, Mark, excuse me, let me go back to the question about the governor. Uh, he, as you know, and you reported in Politico, did not suspend runs. He said he didn't have the power to do it, not going to suspend, at this point at least, any borrowed school board members. But he's asking the state Supreme Court to impanel a grand jury to look into school safety and security beginning in Broward. Yeah, chances are that if there's a lot of money being spent in Broward, someone's misspending it. Remember, just a few years ago, there was a report of uh, a whistleblower claiming there was bid rigging going on yeah. with this $800 million bond issue. Right. Uh, you know, Broward County has a real unfortunate reputation that it is well earned of having incompetence at almost every government level. We've seen it at the sheriff's office, we've seen it at the school board, we've seen it at the hospital district, we saw it in the election supervisor. So I really do think that unbalanced, when all the information comes back to DeSantis, someone on the school board is going to lose his or her job, or a bunch of people. Well, you know what, there's, um, there's some more to talk about with that, but let's take a quick break and we'll come back in two and pick this right up. Thank you. We are happy you are with us, and we are in the midst of the roundtable with Mark Caputo from Politico, Patty Mazay from the New York Times, Scott Travis from the Sun Sentinel. And Scott, I need to ask you, there appears to be a strong movement in Tallahassee, in the legislature right now, to pass a bill that would expand, as they say, the Guardian program, which essentially is going to allow, would allow, teachers to have guns on campus, in the classroom. 
and the, the state Senate presidents behind this. And in fact, Governor DeSantis, unlike Rick Scott, says, yeah, I can live with that too. What's going to happen? Well, I think there's a very good chance that that could pass because the MSD commission, uh, which investigated all the things that went wrong in the tragedy and also made recommendations to improve safety, that was one of their near unanimous recommendations they made. Everyone except uh, Max Schachter, uh, parent of one of the victims, right. voted against that. And that is probably going to hold weight and even a democratic senator lauren book uh, voted in favor of that so i think that there's a good chance that that could pass and uh you're right uh, governor DeSantis has expressed a lot more uh he could uh, live support with for this yes. yeah and part of that was that the districts first have to buy into the program before the teachers in that district would have a chance to volunteer at least that's the yeah. way that it would be immediately. Right now, what they, they almost passed this last year, and what the, and some teachers already can be armed. If you are a if you have uh, active military, I believe, and if you don't teach, if you're a librarian, you can uh, you can be armed. But most yeah. teachers cannot. This would remove right. that restriction and allow any employee at the school if they go through the training. Yeah. The school district would have to agree to the program and create it themselves. What I wonder is in the future if this could be opening the door to requiring school districts to That uh, would be the next step, yeah. 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 I would think it's more a concern of good idea, bad execution. That it would make sense if you could go back in time and arm one of the teachers, one of the coaches, mm -hmm. to be able to stop Nicholas Cruz yeah. because the Broward County Sheriff's Office decided not to do its job. However, I'm the husband of a teacher. Right. The idea that there's a gun in the classroom can cause other problems. If you don't properly secure that firearm and some kid yeah. happens to see it, well, now you actually have introduced the weapon into the class. So these things need to be done very carefully. <coughs> Otherwise, you could be compounding a tragedy by trying to solve that, one. That was yeah. absolutely one of the biggest opponents. Um, Patty, a lot of the families in Parkland are behind now a petition drive to get a ban of assault weapons. I, I think the, the read is military-grade weapons on the 2020 ballot as a constitutional amendment, a, a sort of an end run around what the Florida legislature has not done, won't do. Well, I think anything. they have this fear that they'll see a rollback in this year's legislative session, that last year was sort of a pause, a, an anomaly, and that really they know that there are still a lot of proponents Which is of filed gun already. rights. They're there. Correct, yeah. and that they're just going to roll back some of the restrictions that were enacted last year while Florida was under a lot of pressure, a right. lot of national attention, and that under period. less attention this year, under different administrations, some legislators who were not there last year, who did not go to Marjorie Storman Douglas and see the aftermath of the carnage, who did not meet with the families and live through the students going up in buses to Tallahassee, that they'll try to roll some of it back. So hence why you have people saying like, you know what, well, let's just put something on the ballot if we can't trust the I'd be shocked if the thing passed. You take 60% to approve any measure yeah. in the Florida Constitution. You're basically spotting your opponents 10 points. The legislation or the constitutional amendment we're talking about here bans basically all types of semi-automatic rifles except for bolt actions or ones that have a fixed magazine, I think, of a fewer than 10 rounds. Mm -hmm. The other thing it does is it requires people who currently own, let's say, an AR-15 or the like, which is a lot of people in Florida. Yeah to register with the state. For gun owners, gun registration is tantamount to uh, government controlling your entire life. I'm not saying I agree with them or disagree with them, but this is the political problem that the gun control folks are gonna face, is that gun registration issue, and also the fact that, wow, you're, you're considering almost anything but a bolt-action rifle, an assault rifle, yeah. it's not. 
this is a problem. Yeah. But on the other hand, a lot of times liberal uh, proposals tend to do better when you put them before the ballots. Like we had the, the felons uh, being able to vote this time. Yeah, the the medical four. marijuana was probably considered somewhat liberal. So when you, and even in a lot of red states, uh, you put stuff right before the voters, yeah. they tend to be a little bit more liberal than the legislators that, that make Medical mm -hmm. marijuana failed at the time because it had organized opposition. That was in 2014. In 2016, it didn't have organized <coughs> opposition, and it passed. I can guarantee you that the ban assault weapons now thing is going to have vociferous mm -hmm. organized yes. opposition. What do you think the odds are of the legislation rolling back? some of the restrictions enacted last year to pass Passing? this year in Tallahassee? Uh, I don't think that those, those will pass. If I had to guess, and I shouldn't make these guesses because of the Florida Sorry, Senate. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you Yeah, Bill, <laughs> Bill Galvano is the Senate president. He is moderate in certain respects. And one thing he probably doesn't want to do is have the bill he negotiated. Uh, undone. Undone when it makes him look like a liar. Yeah. All right, everybody hold your thoughts. We're going to pivot and talk a little bit about Venezuela, humanitarian aid. So we'll take a break. Stay with us. All right, we are back for one brief segment of the roundtable in Patty Mazay tomorrow afternoon. I imagine you're going to be at FIU for the president. What do you expect him to say about Venezuela? And do you think we're going to hear the all options are still on the table line? I don't know what he's going to say. I think it's... I don't think he knows what he's going to say well, No, I mean, I think on these sort of speeches, we have seen a certain... Um, messaging line that has been consistent with the administration, the president, the vice president, um, and, and members of Congress, Republican members of Congress. Um, I think you pointed out earlier in your segment with Congressman Shalala that there's been some friction now with Democrats thinking, here we are supporting something the president right. is doing, and yet um, we see some political play underneath. And I think we all know here that Venezuela politics are local politics in Miami. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm going to be interested in seeing if this does look like a more nakedly partisan political move, even though this is not a campaign event, right? It is a White House event, so we'll see. You know what'll be interesting to see tomorrow is, with all the president's talk about the crisis at the border and illegals coming in, and now we have, you know, we know how he feels about temporary protected status for the nationals, like from Haiti and San Salvador and Nicaragua, who have been here for a very long time. Will he call for temporary protected status for Venezuelans fleeing what is absolutely a crisis in Venezuela? Maybe he'll declare this an emergency. <laughs> Yet another national emergency. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Is that... Well, it depends on what the, what the U.S. Senate decides to do. I think that, that measure will pass the House. I, I think something to watch in the president's speech is we're starting to fly relief supplies to the border of Venezuela in military aircraft. In Colombia. Right. To Colombia. Yeah, the, on the border of Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Yeah, correct, in Colombia. When you start planting the American flag in that fashion with a hostile nation, bad things can happen. And we've seen it time and again where American soldiers in peacekeeping missions, so we saw it in the Gulf of Tonkin before the Vietnam, Vietnam. War. We saw it in Havana Harbor with the USS Maine in 1898. Right. Like these things can happen. So when we start militarizing these missions and coming close, it could provoke a confrontation, and that could turn what appears to be a foreign policy success of President Trump's into a more 
controversial and questionable territory. You want to weigh in on this? Well, I think it, you also see that a lot of the Venezuelans in our local community, we have them in you know, Weston, Doral, and a lot of other places, tend to favor the uh, president's stance on this, which I think could be interesting because Florida is going to be such an important state in 2020. So he may see this as an opportunity, kind of like what he did with Cuba, to try to um, increase support among uh, certain Hispanic constituents. Yeah. All right. That is going to be the last word here for the roundtable. To all of you, thanks for coming in. Do you wonder I, what apolog I apologize to Glenna, who had a beautiful kind of personal perspective, and we have just, well, no I have just eliminated needed. it. This is a 